welcome to Coffee at an Interview. I'm Jacqueline Pena, and we're here today with Franly Dupili, who's going to talk to us about emergency management and student success. So I'm so excited to have you here today. Um, you know, we've been talking about this podcast for a while, and, and, and it finally happened in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. How timely. Um, and so I appreciate you being here with us today, and I just wanted to um, ask you if you can introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing, and this passion of yours in terms of the relationship between emergency management and student success. Okay. Um, I started off working at a university um, before transitioning to Miami-Dade College. So I was at um, Nova South Beach University um, at the College of Dental Medicine. So a lot of the emergency management protocols and policies were um, important to a lot of um, senior coordinators and administrators at the college because we dealt with a lot of um, members from the community. We dealt with a lot of dental students that are practicing on students and we dealt with a lot of um, you know, equipment and oxygen, um, et cetera. So um, emergency management was really vital to our operation at the college. Um, then I transitioned over to uh, Miami-Dade because uh, I left my full-time job um, to start a doctorate. Um, and I started off as an academic um, advisor um, for the social sciences department. Uh, now, given that a lot, of the, a lot of the experience I had at the college, at the university, uh, when I did come to the college, it was a lot of things that was like kind of shocking to me. So um, for the short time I was a, um, an academic advisor, I was trying to reenact um, the same um, community atmosphere that we had at Nova Southeast University into um, the social sciences department. Um, some worked and some did not work. So um, we were able to, um, you know, kind of at least, um, what they call it, we were able to, um, I'm, I'm trying to get the word, uh, we were able to compromise uh, because of the student population that we were dealing with. Um, after um, becoming, um, after being a department advisor, um, I also was teaching at the same time. So I was both teaching and um, advising. Um, I mentored Dr. Vasquez, um, was ready to um, resign our transition back to a full-time faculty. Um, and I was um, kind of the front runner for his position, um, for department chair position. Um, and I was in that capacity as acting chair for about a year and a half, almost two years until they hired um, a full-time chair um, person for the department. Um, and after that, um, I've been dealing more on a consultant basis um, with um, Miami-Dade Public School, um, the Florida Department of Education uh, initiative, the Green Initiative, which is um, um, we're in the process of developing that Green Initiative more um, for the inner city kids. Um, we're trying to um, you know, teach them more about um, other industry related. We have the white collar, we have the blue collar, and one of the green initiatives is um, the new thing when it comes to environmental sustainability. Um, so um, we've been working on that. Um, my organization org has been working on that um, with the Department of Education to get um, funding so we can be out there in um, Little Haiti, Little Havana, um, Atapata, um, all, you know, Pompano Beach and all these other inner cities so we can get, um, you know, individuals into a different sector of the economy. Um, so that's what I've been doing, um, emergency management. I'm finishing my doctorate. 
higher education leadership with a focus on um, policy. And a lot of the policies I um, would focus more is on emergency management and student success. Um, Jack was able to uh, touch upon that. So those are more, um, you know, of my, um, focus, my research focus um, when it comes to um, students um, retaining these students and making sure they persist. Um, in addition to making sure, um, you know, the policies that are in place are sound that help them um, increase what they need to um, do so they can graduate and hopefully get um, productive um, careers. I, I think it's very interesting how you um, keep tying emergency management to students. And most times in higher education in any industry, when we think about emergency management, we're thinking crisis, hurry, we got to get things done, we got to take care of this, save someone. And in this case, you're looking at it in a in this different way in terms of student success. And I would love to hear more about what you're thinking in terms of that relationship between uh, emergency management and student success. How do these things go together? Why do they go together? So a lot of individuals are, if I'm speaking to the average individual, a lot of when you, when you talk about emergency management or when you hear emergency management, you will think about um, hurricanes, right? Um, that's not the case. Um, in this community, we have indigenous individuals in the community, um, especially those in the vulnerable population who are from the low SCS background of the community. So, uh, you know, it's not the hurricane fares or, you know, the discounts that you get or the tax-free week that you get for purchasing um, hurricane materials. It's how you mitigate. There's a terminology called mitigation, right? So mitigation is basically you're preparing, um, you're preparing a, you're allocating, you're developing um, systems, you're developing processes. Um, so when you hear about mitigation, a lot of times us, ourselves as professionals has to have to actually um, have plans in place um, to make sure that um, we can operate, we're sustainable, and once we're sustainable and we get through what we need to get through, that we come back to where we started from. Um, so when you hear about emergency management, it's, it's, it's a terminology, you'll be like, why would somebody want to manage an emergency? It's important that these emergencies are managing, but it starts not when it, you know, the manage the emergency or the disaster or the pandemic starts. It's something that started way before. So you have to make sure you have a plan, a system in place. So once disruption happened and you get everything in there, you kind of, you know, make sure that everything's flowing. And once the disaster is over or once, you know, if it's a hurricane or if it's a it can be a building burning down. It's considered emergency management. Once that cured, you can go back where we, I mean, at the end of the day, when we go back to where we started, you'll have the component when it comes to the support system, right? You'll have the support system, you'll have the counselors, you have the um, restructuring period. But when it comes to higher education, it's important because we're already dealing with a vulnerable population. Um, and when I say vulnerable, um, these students are, you know, 18, and, you know, they have been seeing disaster. I mean, the most disasters they've seen is when they hear about a hurricane warning, right? But because they're going through a process at the institution, as higher education leaders, it's important that we, you know, have some form of emergency management plan um, in place. Um, so if something was to happen, that our students are able to both get, they get the communication, 
they understand the process, that they're accounted for, and making sure that these students are okay so they can continue what they came to. They, well, they can go ahead and continue what they started. So the whole goal is because they want to come and get an education, but once these mitigation processes go through, once all these other, you know, preparation plans and when if a disaster was to happen, once we mitigate the issue, we can go back and say, okay, it's time to continue your education. And in terms of these um, emergency management plans, okay, so these plans, managing an emergency is about making sure that we have good communication with our students, we have a plan in place, so they're able to complete their courses and be successful. Do we, sh do we share these plans with students? What are we giving students before the emergency comes? What do we give them so that if an emergency comes, they know what to do next? How do we, fun how do we handle that part of it? Okay, so because there's different, um, we call them institutional types. Um, because of the institutional types, you usually see a larger institution that has a majority of um, students living on campus, and we call those students, um, some institutions call it residential colleges, some of them common, call them common learners community, and some call them dormitories. Um, I think the regular word we use is dorms. Um, other institutions use different words. The University of Miami call it residential colleges. Um, NOVA call it um, the common area. Um, and um, as an institution, Miami-Dade College does not have any dormitories. That's up to the state legislators to um, approve such thing. But Florida Keys has a, um, they offer dorms to their students in Southwest, um, don't get me wrong, but I think it's Southeastern College, Southwestern State College, something like that. They do have dorms on campuses, uh, on campus for their student. Now, um, a lot of this information are provided um, as students come in when it comes to their student orientation, and it's more how robust their um, student orientation is. Um, but when it comes to the student orientation, the students are aware of if there's uh, more of the basic knowledge of, you know, if you see something down 911, if someone's trying to kidnap you, there's buttons on campus where you can hit. Um, when it comes to the annual disclosure, um, that's the um, um, the Genin Act um, that basically would, um, you know, disclose the information that campuses need to disclose to students on an annual basis. These are some of the information that the student get in the front hand. But when it comes to working professional and administrators and educators, it's important that um, that information is disclosed. I mean, some institutions, um, because of their capital or because um, their um, the way their framework, the institution framework, a lot of faculty are, it doesn't trickle down to, um, you know, lower level, Like you have campus security that needs to be aware of some of these policies. And because they don't have the budget to, um, you know, either through capital or through education means, a lot of these, um, you know, frontline individuals don't have access to these information. So come to these different information, which in, at the counting level, right? So you have more of a um, cooperation or cooperative um, uh, mutual agreement between the county government and the institutions, uh, which by now every major institution, uh, when it comes to a public institution, a private institution has to have some form of emergency management department. 
um, that basically would, you know, house all these information and provide these or dismantle these informations to the community, the university or college community. So that department is responsible to basically following the different um, statutes. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, we have something called the Mercy Management um, statutes, which um, the Florida statutes which fall under chapter 252 that spell out how um, the local government, the private sector, how the intergovernmental units need to basically collaborate on different aspects on how to mitigate different emergencies that arise. So an example of this would be more of um, the COVID-19. Um, you can see the execution of the emergency management um, statutes going on, where a lot of the policies were dictated by more of a community, right? So in Miami County, for example, we have the division of emergency management and that's fall under the fire department, but you have different specialized units within the emergency management um, departments and the different universities and colleges, which they meet so often. So when the schools, when we had to cancel schools, it was not a one individual decision. It was a committee or community decision to say, listen, we have to make sure that we get these students into safety. So this is how we go ahead and, um, you know, start canceling classes. You know, do you have your um, contingency plan in place when it comes to, you know, once our classes are struck, do you have anything in plan so we can go ahead and continue educating our students? So this is where the responsibility of the county, the county has to take lead based on the statutes. Um, and then the state, the state has its own emergency management um, department. Um, it's the Florida Department of Emergency Management. And then there you have the federal government that has um, their uh, emergency management. And after that, you have the different versions when it comes to um, how emergency management operate. Um, so you have divisions and you have different cabinet levels like Department of Defense that's um, you know, once you, um, you know, if it's something like really, 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 really um, urgent, you'll have Department of Defense. Then you have the Department of Education that dictates that they should be mandates and policies that's in place when it comes to um, Title um, Five funding. Mm. Um, so, um, it needs to be corresponding with, um, you know, how institution plans. And then you have the Stanford Act, the Stanford Act that basically um, relates more into, um, you know, how um, financial assistance is flowed into um, the community. So it has to actually be requested from a mayor, a major mayor, if it's a county like Miami-Dade. Miami-Dade have, have so much cities, but um, because the way our government is structured, uh, we hear the request from the mayor, the county mayor, and from the, the county mayor or county administrator. Like for example, Broward County has a mayor and they have a county administrator. Prior to that, it was just a county administrator. Um, so they would request the governor and the governor will review it and request that to the president and the president will declare uh, a state of emergency for that particular city. And that's how um, you have financial resources and resources that are deployed to that particular um, area for assistance. And then once that is provided, um, you have a system in place where, you know, if it's financial needs that need to be in place, you have um, if it's services or if it's equipment that are needed, if it's personnel's um, activation of the um, National Guard, which the state of Florida, we do have a National Guard. So these are examples of what um, the, MERS, the Stanford Act um, require um, local government, state um, and, um, government and other um, organizations within 
um, government, the governmental units, um, how they operate. And then from there, um, you have different ones. You have more like executive orders from um, the governor. Um, you also have um, the Department of Education has one where um, it has been updated for three years. However, it's still alive as today. And this is the whole thing where institutions must you know, provide um, students. Um, you have to protect the student's welfare. Um, and this was updated when we had the, I don't know if you remember the Virginia Tech um, event that the mass shooting of Virginia Tech. And that's required, you know, required until the annual disclosure and the whole thing where it comes to mental health, the mental um, stability of a student. So all of these things come into, um, you know, play when you talk about emergency management. And notice, I, I, I kind of purposely put Virginia Tech, where Virginia Tech is a, 90% um, of the students that attend Virginia Tech live on campus. And notice how we said it kind of reflects how emergency management is important to an institution like Virginia Tech, because at the end of the day, you have to make sure that the student welfare is protected. Um, so to make sure that these students are being well protected, to make sure the resources are available to them, to make sure that they're prepared um, in a different aspect when it comes to um, drills that happen on campus. So all this fall under um, higher education. I mean, notice I said that it's not just hurricane or tornadoes. But there's other aspect within emergency management that happened, especially on campuses, to make sure our students, um, you know, ret we retain our students and make sure that they persist so they too can graduate and come like us. I didn't say this earlier, but I know many of your, most of your examples uh, are focused in Florida. And we're both in Florida right now for the containment phase of this pandemic. But uh, the systems that you're talking about are in place across the nation. So it doesn't matter what state you're in, you should have an emergency management office or department or something of that sort within your institution, but also Correct. at the state level. So just wanted to put that out there. there are a lot of our um, examples are Florida based, mm -hmm. but, um, but these are guides that are true across the different states. Correct. That is correct. Um, you started talking about um, you ended with uh, our students and their ability to succeed. How does emergency management affect student retention? So there's something that calls campus ecology. Um, a lot of psychologists and individuals um, that um, have background in uh, Erickson theory. It's a it's basically it's built on Erickson theory, and a lot of us in higher education would um, build our campuses based on student needs and student um, aspiration on how more lights persist. So an example, and it's not an example for um, higher education or emergency management, but an example for higher education, I'm sorry, I'm gonna take that back. This is an example for higher education. If I, will, if I was to build an institution with no parking garages at all, right? Because a lot of students around their age, you have 18, 19 year olds that will think, okay, I'm an 18, 19 year old, I need a car to go to school, or I need a car to travel, or I need a car just to have a car. If they end up going to the institution and there's no parking at all, a lot of our students won't be able to attend the institution because they were like, you know what, I'm gonna find somewhere to attend that have parking garages or have parking space to park my car. When it comes to um, campus ecology, we have to make sure that our campus is basically clean. We have to make sure that the necessary um, 
facilities are there for them. We have to make sure that it's, um, you know, it's efficient. We have to make sure the lighting, the texture, the painting, the public safety, everything that you would think of on what students would need. Like, for example, if you're in middle school and you go into middle school that look like college campus, nine out of 10 times, the student will be like, you know what, I need somewhere else to go. Because the thing, they go, the first thing that come at their mouth is say, oh my God, I need to basically be at a college level, reading level. It's because of how the campus is shaped, right? So when you look at campus ecology, you have to make sure the campus environment fits the student perception. It has to fit the student ability to learn. So when it comes to the different structure part, when it comes to the different planning part, you have to think of the student, how they're most likely to take the information or take the institution or how they'll be able to say, okay, this is my campus. If they're not saying this is not my campus, it's a problem. So when it comes to event facility planning, when it comes to facility um, building, a lot of, hopefully a lot of institutions, 90% of the part, it's basically by student survey, right? I've been through so many constructions working at NOVA, um, UM, as a doctoral student. Um, I've been through at least five building facilities where a lot of these surveys come from students because the students will dictate what they want in this building, right? And one of the um, latest project when I started this doctor program is when um, the University of Miami was planning for a one-stop shop for their undergraduate student population, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the things like they want everything to be at one location. So they're building this facility, this one-stop shop that includes registration, admission, financial aid, counseling. Notice how I say counseling. They put counseling in this one-stop shop because it's important. Students' mental health is important. So when it comes to emergency management and all the planning, the mitigating, the mitigation, the, um, you know, the allocations, the different frame, frameworks when it comes to planning, you have to take the students into account because if you don't take to their account at the end of the day we don't have no students if we have no plan right because if we're making a plan without students or their needs then what's the point of having an institution right at the end of the day when curriculums are developed the needs of what comes the student needs come in so we have to make sure that the students are you know saying this is what i want and this how to, this curriculum is going to impact what i want to do in the future so it's up to the institution to have these, you know, these plans in place. So if something was to arise on campus, students are able to come in and basically said, okay, we have an emergency today at the Wilson campus, right? I can go ahead and deploy half of my student population to the Padron campus and the other half of population to the North campus and have faculty start teaching through the Entrepreneur Campus, which is the Carrie P. Meek Center, and basically our schedule go as usual, right? And this is an example of having a mitigation in place because something disrupted the learning environment. If it's a hazard, it can be a tornado, it can be lightning strike. We're able to say, listen, we have Padron Campus, we have the Carrie P. Meek Campus, and we have the North Campus where we're able to continue our classes as usual because we have a plan in place, right? So when students see that, they're like, okay, you know what? We are basically prepared if something was to happen. So that's how important, you know, emergency management comes into when we plan for something like um, an emergency. So emergency management is important. 
because you want to make sure that we take our students' lives into account, um, their well-being. They, are, you know, we take that into account. And you know, when you look at the legislative intent into the emergency management status, um, that kind of spell it out that when it comes to disaster, we have to look at both the welfare of the resident and the state. So that's important when you have these plans into place. So, um, you know, I've said it a lot when it comes to student um, retention. Um, a lot of policies that we have in place are important so we can retain our student because disruption is going to happen in our student lives regardless, but we have to take that to account um, when we have to make sure that our safety, our student safeties are not our priority when it comes to, um, you know, all this stuff. So. These are excellent points. So, um, so what happens, <laughs> let's say I work at an institution and my institution doesn't have or hasn't shared an emergency management plan. And what can I do to prepare myself and my students or my department? So if I'm, if I'm a faculty member, what can I do to have my own emergency plan in case something happens? If I'm an advisor, or if I'm a dean, so what, what can we do on the ground? Let's, let's talk about those on the ground, those who are advising students, teaching students, and let's say there's no emergency plan or nothing's been shared with us. What can we do ahead of time? What kind of plan can we prepare for ourselves? What are some tips for us? Well, the first thing is to, um, institutions operate differently, but it's always a trickle down effect. So if, you have shared governance, an example, the institutions I came from, especially um, NOVA, we had shared governance, right? Where you know, faculty, administrators, staff would sit on different committees or would, um, you know, we would have a annual um, town hall meeting, which things are discussed, or we would have an annual uh, update when it comes to emergency management, HIPAA, um, student information, all this was shared to lower down staff members from public safety all the way to the institution vice president. Um, the president, I don't include the president because the president is never involved in the, when it comes to large institutions, you'll never see the president, you know, at these meetings, there'll be more at, you know, we need to, you know, build new facilities or we need to increase our numbers or this is our state of address, right? The presidents always have state of addresses to their um, student. The academy, the academy, the leader is the president. Right, so you'll see the president more at pep rallies to say, okay, listen, this is my State of the Union address. Um, I've been to many of those State of the Union address. Not only the president of the United States gives State of the Union address, but the state, the president of the institution will give their annual State of the um, University address, right? So when I was working at NOVA, we always had that. University of Miami, you know, as a doctoral student, we had that information. It was different at Miami-Dade. Again, um, information, um, I usually get information from my chair, department chair. Um, and a lot of information will be sent by emails um, or basically we, at the beginning, when we started, we had something called convocation, which was full-time faculty, right? Where you look at our faculty population, half our population, faculty population are either, you know, either part-time, a lot of them been there for the past 25, 30 years, and you have newbies coming. And when you have newbies coming as full-time faculty or staff members, you know, getting them that information. I'm going to be fair that Miami Day do have a, um, they call it a onboarding, but the onboarding is for like a day or so, or two days or something, but enough days to, you know, give that information. So 
when it comes to, I'm going to go back to um, the institution I was working prior to coming to Miami-Dade. And that's why I said every institution is different. At Noble, we had something called shared governance where um, everybody was aware of what was going on, right? If like the facility just built a brand new dormitory, right? They converted a soccer field into a brand new dorm, right? We all knew this, like we all knew this in 2008. Right? Because the students who attended there, like in 2005, 2006, they voted for it. You know, they had their input. You know, one of the things like there, I want a full buffet in my dorm, like other universities. Well, the students today have a full buffet in their dorm because it was more of a shared governance, right? So the information was flow, like given to us periodically when it comes to emergency planning, when it comes to safety, when it comes to um, I, I recall the Zika, I was working at Miami-Dade, but I was still getting emails at the institution about Zika, right? The same thing at, um, when I was at UM, I'm still at UM as a doctoral student, we were getting information about Zika, we was getting information about hazard materials, we was getting information about substance abuse when it comes to different events around Miami. So all these informations are given pre So basically, once we get that information, everyone is aware of their surrounding and the policies on campus. So when something do happen, everyone can go, okay, oh, we were given a head start of what's going on on campus, right? When you go into a larger institution, I have individuals, friends that work at UCLA and these other huge institutions. Again, when you have student orientation or staff orientation, it's more of a shared governance because they have a faculty senate, and faculty senate are basically, they want to make sure that the university or college community are aware about the policies that they have in place. So when you have a shared governance all the way down to public safety. Now, to be fair, we don't have our own police department, but if you will go to these other universities, they do have their police departments, or some of these school districts or college districts in California, they have their own police department. But when you're talking about our campus, where a lot of our public safety um, individuals are individuals who just have a high school diploma, right, or no experience, it's difficult to basically give these informations to flow. So capital plays a lot in it. But it, it, it depends. You have large institutions, you have big institutions, it's how information is flown through from staff members or presidents. And how it is, is that it's important that when you talk about policies, especially emergency management, everybody is aware of the situation, not the week of or the day of, but providing the information, right? Emails should have been already going out to all these institutions about hurricane season, boom. Hurricane season is approaching, boom. The flu season, you will get emails in November, the flu season is happening, right? Or the summer, okay, if something was, you get information beforehand, not the week of or two weeks of, but you get it beforehand, and that's how information is dismantled from top to bottom. Um, I can tell you more, um, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, I've been through the teaching institution, I've been through the research institution, and I've been through all this, and it's just how policy is flowing through from the top all the way to the bottom. And you've been through um, the public versus the private too, so it's that's correct. That's correct. Making sure that we keep our students in the loop, making them aware, and correct. then when things happen, preparing them early, right away. That's correct. Correct. That's correct. Um, I've seen some universities were able. Uh, I follow the um, Higher Education Chronicle. A lot of us in higher education um, read that chronicle every morning. We get a new um, uh, new. Basically, we have to, every week we get a new update. 
but they do email us everything that happens every day. So if a university, if a president resigned, you get a this president resigned. But for us, um, you know, when I was going through um, the Chronicle of Higher Education, I had time um, through this pandemic, I was able to stay home and read through some of my emails that I missed. Um, and I've seen where a lot of institutions, they have email systems that are scheduled out throughout the semester that will notify their student population, okay? They were like, okay, listen, spring break is coming. Boom, you got an email, right? You'll have an email. The summer is starting. Boom, the students get an email, right? You have the flu season, so boom, the students get an email. And a good strategy is having certain emails already um, and texts and things like that already uh, scheduled ahead of time. So reminding people about hurricane season and flu season, or at least having those drafts ready for, and put it on your calendar. So on that day, you can just click that send and get it out there. So keep everyone in the loop the whole year. That so um, I know our, our time is almost up and you share so much great information. I just wanted to see if you had any last thoughts or words of advice for any of us in the front lines working with students when it comes to emergency management and emergency preparedness and student success. I think what we've learned, I'm a millennial myself. I mean, I'm a millennial, and, we, and you have the Generation Z, that's a lot of our current students. Um, they kind of know if a professor or administrator are basically fearful. I'm not fearful, but if they're basically unorganized. Like, they know if someone organized. They, they would already know, and you can see in their face, of, okay, this individual is just saying whatever. Our goal is to be prepared. Right, and that's why emergency management preparedness at educational institutions of higher learning is important. So, as a future, I don't know what it's going to take me because it's, it's just having conversations about you know preparedness and when it comes to student success, when it comes to planning, mitigation, policy. Not one administrator at an institution can develop a lot of policy, so you have to make a lot of friends everywhere to have conversations every day. So this is an everyday conversation where, um, you know, it's our job to basically share the information. We have to trickle down information to the bottom line. We have to train our public safety officers. If we can't train public safety officers, then we would have to have our own police department on campus. And it's important that our frontline defense are able to engage, are able to educate, are able to know the basics of emergency management to be able to protect ourselves. At the end of the day, we are students. If we don't students, we don't have any students. So my recommendation for a lot of institutions is that information is supposed to be flown daily, right? Information is given to our faculty members. Information is supposed to give given to our ministry when it comes to admissions and registration. I mean, some institutions have back office when it comes to admission and registration. Some institutions have front office. But if you're dealing with someone through the front office, and if something's happening at that front office, I think these administrators or these staff members in this admission office need to be aware on how to do emergency. You know, if they don't know how to deal with an emergency, then what's the point of even having the students there if we can't, you know, make sure that the safety and their well-being is being protected? So, you know, administrators, faculties, you know, staff, support staff, when it comes to student workers, they need to be aware of the need to be aware of planning. They need to be aware 
of disclosing information. They need to be aware to know what's going on so they can go ahead and provide that information so we can protect our campus community. So thank you for that. So uh, the, the takeaway there at the end of that message is um, we need to make sure that the information gets trickled down. We need to make right. sure that everyone is aware of what the emergency preparedness plan is and what his sure. or her role is there. And we need to make sure that everyone, everyone, doesn't matter who you are, everyone in the institution, especially those in the front lines, those who are interacting right. with our students, are aware of what the emergency management plan is, have uh, the ability or the skills to help the students through correct. the emergency so that we can focus on student success. Correct, that is correct, that is correct. Well, thank you so much. This information was extremely valuable. Uh, th I think we don't talk enough about emergency management and emergency preparedness and student success. And today's conversation was really helpful for me to understand how it all fits together and uh, for me to understand the role that many of us play and what are some ways to really become more prepared for the next time that there is an emergency. And for That's all correct. of us, yeah, and for all of us who work with students, whether we're in the office or we're in the front lines working directly with the students, what is our role in emergency preparedness and emergency management when it comes to our students and their success? Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a great point. No, that's a, that's a great point. As I said, it's, a, it's important. And it's the, the before, in the beginning of, you know, the interview, I said every campus have their institutional characteristics, right? So the larger institutions will invest heavily on communication, you know, their communication plan, where communication plan is important when it comes to dealing with our student body population, or the academy, right? At the end of the day, the institution is an industrial complex, right? It's a mini nation, right? And that's why a lot of times, Jackie, you should know when we meet or have meetings with different uh, stakeholders when it comes to policymakers, we don't call it a university or a college, we call it the institution, right? So the institution has to have a system in place so information can be flow, you know, flow, we can flow the information down. Um, and my best bet is I would, you know, if a lot of institutions haven't done so, is to invest heavily on a communication plan and other ways where they can educate the institution community, the academy, they can educate the academy when it comes to disaster preparedness, emergency preparedness, um, and come with the, at the end of the day, when you mitigate a plan, when you have a plan in place, it's there. Yes, I know it's a plan that you can stick back in a file cabinet, but if something was to happen, you just go in that back cabinet and flip it and boom, it worked. It will work, right? So I think moving forward, forward, you know, we, we're dealing with a lot of, um, and this is for research in universities, right? A lot of faculties, like, I don't want to move into Zoom or I want to, you know, deal with Blackboard. But then again, we have a whole different form of kids that are going into these institutions that all they know is technology, right? Or access to some form of a online learning management system. So this is an opportunity. Like I said, I think this is an opportunity you know, a great opportunity to go out and um, start lobbying and start putting policies into place um, and start, you know, making sure that the academy is protected. So if any emergency was to happen, that disruption don't occur, that learning learning continues, the well-being of our students continues, student success is continued, 
um, and a lot of things. I mean, I can tell there's many, many, many discussion when it comes to higher education on student success online. And uh, it's been in a positive mood, you know, because once students see services that are available 24 seven, that's the best bet. At the end of the day, students look for institutions based on resources or services that are being offered. So it's a win-win situation, you know, with this whole online thing. So, you know, it's sad to see that we're going through this, but then again, it's an opportunity to start developing sound policies moving forward. And I think that's what we're all looking for to make sure it's in our student interest, to make sure that they're not missing out on a great opportunity of that big word learning, right? So we want them to miss out on learning and stuff, so. Yeah. and. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going through this pandemic, uh, COVID-19. It's, it's nothing like before. We've seen school closures and emergency uh, management plans going to place because of shootings or construction accidents or all kinds of things that occur on school campuses. But we've never seen schools across a nation close the way we have with our COVID-19 pandemic right now. And I yeah. think um, it's an opportunity for us to learn uh, how we can be better prepared in right. terms of emergency management and in terms of our students and student success. And it really right. helps us understand the relationship between emergency management and success. And, and you're, you're correct. That's correct. And I want you to look at three institutions in the state that are already prepared at this. Uh -huh. At University of Florida. And I'm not a Gator fan at all. You know, University I'm not, of South Florida, you said? Oh, University of Florida. Oh, University, University of Florida. Florida. They are heavily vested in their online learning and they're just great when you look at university of central florida they've already created that infrastructure you know if something was to happen right faculty are trained everyone is trained and when we look at nova nova's already it, it predated they had online learning i think it started different because they were supposed to it was so funny because every time we talk about it nova was supposed to be the mit of the south Right? And it was supposed to be the MIT of the South, um, which it was supposed to be this whole technology type of learning where students are learning physics, where students are learning chemistry. They were just dedicated just to the chemistry and physics students, like at MIT, right? But that never happened. It never materialized. And we know why, because the South was really not a place to have institutions of higher learning. We just had about two or three. We had very... Um, we had University of Miami, which University of Miami wasn't doing as well. Um, in 1923, they flattered a little, you know, they didn't have any, um, you know, life support into the war, World War II, when the GI Bill came out. But South Florida really was not a institution, um, you know, community. But now we have an opportunity, you know, to develop consortiums, plannings and stuff. If something was to happen where if facilities are not being used, where we can use these facilities. So this is a great opportunity. I like, I like how you're always looking for the opportunities. We're, <laughs> we're very similar in that way, opportunity. Everything for students. Anything for student success is something I would like. I, I, I want to make sure that everything's there. You know, we didn't go through this when I was an undergrad in 2002 to 2006. Um, you know, we were just dealing with it or anything like that. So it's important that students have the same opportunities that we have. Um, excellent point that you just made about um, what the future could hold and the opportunities. Wonderful points uh, today. I, I just want to thank you again for being a part of Coffee in an Interview uh, because I think that the information you provide is so valuable. And I've been to so many higher education conferences and I read so many articles 
And these are some of the points that I, I haven't really been to sessions that are focused on emergency management that I think apply to me as a, as a teacher in the classroom or necessarily as a dean of faculty. I haven't found that yet. And I think we're going to see more of that. But you're really grounded in this topic and we're able to provide a lot of resources for us. So I just want to thank you again for uh, taking the time out to do this interview with me. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I, I again, thank you so much. I truly enjoyed it. And, um, and I'm sure we'll have more questions for you someday because the world is changing and emergency management is key and student success is why we're all in this field. Exactly. And I'll go ahead and send out a link so you can, um, you know, share the link out. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And thank you again for being part of Coffee in an Interview. Thank you.